The following presentation was recorded live by Voices from Jerusalem. We're up to, uh, we're, we're in a class on the 48 ways to wisdom. This is part of our instructions for living that we've been carrying around for over 3,000 years. These are tools for getting your potential, your powers into the game of life. We have powers, we have potential, but we don't always, well, even scientists say we only use 2% of our potential. That means 98% of the powers that we have are going to waste. Now, if you want to use that other 98%, you need tools. How do you, how do you get it? It's potential. Use it. Ask any man. Are you a good man? Are you a good man? You won't meet one evil man. Everybody's good. Everybody will tell you, sure, I'm good. So you want to shake him up, you say to him, listen, if I was going to ask a really evil man, a really good man, are you a good man, who's more likely to say I'm good? The evil man or the good man? The evil man, of course. The evil man kicks his own mother in the stomach. You say, how can you do something like that? That's terrible. He says, you don't understand. She asked me to take out the garbage. Now, if I take out the garbage, what else will she ask me? Who knows? This can go on forever. The good man, of course, he takes out the garbage. Yeah? So you say to him, I see you're such a good man. He says, you didn't notice while I was taking out the garbage, I kicked my own mother in the stomach? He said, what are you talking about? You kicked your own mother in the stomach. What are you talking about? You took it out. He says, yeah, but didn't you see while I was taking it out, how I was grumbling? Now, why was I grumbling? I wanted her to feel bad. I wanted to hit her right here. Because who knows? She might ask me to take it out again tomorrow. I want to register my protest. I was in the middle of reading a book. You remember that one? Yeah. It's so darn hard to be good. You take out the garbage. You say, pleasure, mom. Wow, a pleasure. I do something. You cook the food, I'll take out the garbage. Not so easy to be good. Now, what do we mean by a good heart? There are two hearts. There are two desires in every human being. On the one hand, we all desire to be good. That's the good heart. And on the other hand, we all desire something that's not so good. Now, belief tov means that you've got to use your desire to be good. Now, if you ask people, are you a good man? Everybody says, sure. And it's basically we want to be good. We want to do the right thing. You can't imagine how much power that is for living, if you can harness it. Okay, so how do we go about it? There's tremendous power there, and how do we go about using it? So number one, the simple use of it is that remember you want to be good. Don't let it lay fallow. Say to yourself, look, this morning I want to be good. Say good morning to a friend, you know, cheer him up. But number two is that particularly, you know when you should use it? When you feel like doing something that's not so good. You should remind yourself you want to be good. Your mother says, take out the garbage. You don't feel like it. Yeah, but you know it's not right. Yeah? So fight the desire to tell your mom later. Forget it. It's a struggle. Okay. But do the good thing. Number three is that it's much more effective and it's harder to do is to become aware of your conflicts. Now, how do you do this? So A is the simple way. Locate. What do you want to do and what do you feel like doing? Want to do is the right thing, the sensible thing. You feel like doing what's comfortable, what your desire just drives you to. Always check it out. 
You want to study on time, you feel like procrastinating. You want to use your time effectively, you feel like relaxing. You want wisdom, you feel like roaming. Do you see that? Our wants are rooted in the soul. Ask yourself what your soul wants, and you'll come up with a good. Ask yourself what your body wants, and you'll come up with a root, with a seat of desire. Does that make sense? If you look at yourself as a soul, if I was a soul, yeah, soul would want to do the right thing, to love humanity, to fight for survival, to be altruistic, to be just, to be tough, to be right, everything good. Yeah. What does the body want? If all you are is a body, uh, swallow, eat, sleep, lust, nothing else. So you can focus, what does your soul say about this and what does your body say about this and you'll see the root of the conflict. Okay, number four is, understand it's tough, it's not easy to, to, to win out your want over your desire. It takes, it takes an effort, it takes pain. You've got to accept that. But it's what you want. You want to be good. You want to do the right thing. So put up the fight so that you can be good. Number five is that in order to do this well, you should clarify again. What is the sort, you know, what, how do you differentiate between want and desire? Get a clarity. Now, want means use reason. Want is for permanence, for future, for accomplishment, attainment. Desire has nothing to do with reason. It's for the moment. It's forget the future. That's how you tell the difference. We want to take the final. We don't feel like it. Our desire is to punch the professor in the nose. And to say, who needs this diploma in the first place? Yeah, That's our desire. Our want says, okay, that's the way you feel right now. But you want to graduate. Because you hope you'll be able to get a job. Because your parents will be very disturbed if you flunk out. Yeah. Your desire says, the heck with everything. Right now, I feel like punching him in the nose. Who cares about the consequence? Desire is for the moment. Want is for permanent. Number six is, you should check out what is your want and what is your desire. We take it for granted. Does everybody desire to be happy? What do you say? What do you say, Richard? Do you think you desire to be happy? You see, you ask a fellow, look, which would you rather be, rich or happy? He says, rather be happy. What kind of a fool would rather be rich? Miserable millionaire. I'd rather be a happy, uh, just give me enough food to eat and happiness. Yeah, isn't that right? So you say, come on, I'll show you how to be happy. We'll give you a drill, you work at it, you're happy. He says, well, that's very interesting, it makes sense, and... I guess someday I'll, I'll really take to it. So you know what? If you succeed in one month of increasing your happiness by a serious uh, improvement, you get $20,000. Watch that guy work at it. How come? <laughs> Which is more important, happiness or money? Of course happiness is. The only trouble is that happiness, we understand, is more important. It's more meaningful, you see. Money is right there in our desire. Do you get it? 
For money, I can make you work at that happiness game. Boy, if I had enough money, Richard, you'd be knocking it away. You'd make it work. <laughs> you'd sing it. So you've got to realize each time when you're doing something, you've got to check it out. What do I want to do? And what do I feel like doing? Do I want to confront with the evidence that there is a God? What do you say? Sure, I want to confront with evidence. What do I want to run away from the evidence? Do you feel like it? Check it out, otherwise you're confused. Somebody says, do you want to be happy? Yeah. You feel like being happy? No. No. It's too much effort. Changes the whole ball game, right? Changes the whole ball game. What if I'm happy? Wow, that's responsibility. <laughs> if I'm happy, then uh, like, wow, I mean, uh, who knows? I might, I might have to go to work too. Like this, I can say I'm a failure. <laughs> A guy who's depressed, do you understand? He said, do you want to be happy? He says, yeah. Do you feel like it? Yeah. yeah. You know what? Come on outside. Let's play some pool. Let's play some tennis. It'll cheer you up. Just not now. Not now. Leave me alone. I'm comfortable. <laughs> I'm comfortably miserable. That very interesting phenomenon that's going on within us, yeah? So you always have to check things out. What do you want to do? What do you feel like doing? What means that you can't count wisdom? I got a hundred wisdom. Why not? Do you have a definition? you know what the greatest pleasure in life? That's one piece of wisdom. You know how to be happy? That's another piece of wisdom. Why can't you count wisdom? You can count wisdom just like you can count money. You can also estimate wisdom. Like you estimate money. You know, a thousand dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill or five cents. To know what the greatest pleasure in life, yeah? That's a, like, that's a hundred thousand dollar bill. Now you know what, you, what you're after. Wow, that's, that's a big piece of wisdom, a big chunk. Number six is that you should try on everything you have that you've got to do. You've got to do an assignment. I give you an assignment, yeah? Do you want to do it? Uh, do you want to do it or you don't feel like doing it? <laughs> but you check it out. Do you think that an assignment, doing an assignment, Saul, will increase your grip on the way? Do you want to increase your grip on the ganze? Yeah. Do you feel like doing an assignment? No. Now you want to be good? <laughs> do what you want to do, not what you feel like doing. Do you get the idea? Yeah. Everything that you touch, ask yourself. Don't say, no, I, I don't want to do the assignment. Wait. Check it out. Yeah. All right, number seven is, there's a deeper use of the desire to be good. And what is this deeper, this more powerful instrument in using your desire to be good? And that is to know and realize that, my friends, and this is a shocker, this is our greatest pleasure. This is what we're really living for. This is what we need. We need to be good. We need that self-respect, that, that conception of ourselves as good, like we need oxygen. Do you hear, Richard? This is the basic thing. Every human being, if he doesn't think he's good, if he can't find something good within himself, it's like oxygen. He perishes. He dies of mortification. We're living to be good. That's our powerful drive. Don't stand in the way of a human being who needs to be good. He'll roll right over you. Okay, so 
How do we see this? So number eight is, let me show you that this is so. You ask people, and just let's build it up. You ask people, which would you rather be, rich or wise? And people say, I'd rather be wise. Rich or good? People say, I'd rather be good. You ask them, I'd rather be good. Rich or happy? Everybody says, happy, no problem. Okay, then ask him, which would you rather be? Wise, happy, or good? Wise, happy, or good? Let's take a vote. Come on. Wisdom. Happiness. Good. You take wisdom. You need wisdom in order to be good, but the goal is good. When you learn how to be happy, your greatest source of happiness is to be good. Can you imagine? Take a picture, you understand? Here you are. You're a very successful, famous, world-famous surgeon, sought-after, rich. You've got a beautiful wife, marvelous kids. Everybody loves you. You're going to be the next president of the United States of America. Yeah? Now you're traveling through Russia with two friends, fairly good friends. Yeah? Make it three. And the Russians come after you, and they say, we're your friends. Your friends are dangerous criminals against the state of Russia. Yeah? Come after you. Your friends disappear, and you know where they can be found. Now, the Russians tell you, look, either you turn us over your friends, or else we kill you. What do you do? Do you understand the, the paradigm? Now, if you turn them over... Ah, it's a terrible thing to do, yeah, but you go back, nobody knows. The Russians won't squeal. They don't want anybody to know that, uh, that they killed them, yeah. And just put them away. You go back to California, you can still be president of the United States. Still have a beautiful wife and children, wonderful practice, you're rich, you're young. Now, what do you do? Do you see the fight? You don't know what you're going to do, but let me tell you. Do you realize that you might turn over your friends to the Russians and have them killed and go back and shoot yourself? Well, yeah. The question you're talking about, the case you're talking about is one of survival. I think it's a lot more powerful and I think it might be a lot more deep-rooted than even goodness. Maybe you don't see that, you feel that you won't stand up to three friends, but how about a thousand kids, all right? Yeah, kill a thousand kids, you kill them. And you go back to the United States to the beautiful home and everything. But you got to go and kill a thousand innocent children. Now, do you think that you'd be able to get through a thousand innocent kids because I want to survive? Well, you have to know yourself. It's not possible. You don't have that, that toughness to be evil. <laughs> you don't have that toughness. I mean, God... It's not hypothetical. It's uncovering something that's very deep in your nature, in your soul, that you want to be good. It's not hypothetical. It's a way of knowing where you are, what is important to you. And I suggest that everybody can check it out, that he'd much rather be good. Good is the heaviest thing. We'll die for it. All right, so see, if that didn't convince you, then see is that, look, my friends, all over the world, people are dying to be good. The Palestinians are dying to be good, yeah? They're not dying to do an evil deed before they die, massacre some Jewish kids. 
They're striking a blow for the Palestinian people. And they're ready to die for it. The Irish Catholics are dying to be good. They're not dying to, like, I'm going to do something evil before I go. They're willing to risk their lives and even die to fight for the Catholic Irish and the Protestant Irish. When you get the right thing to do, you're also willing to die. This is a common nature in human beings. There is something more important. We've got to do the right thing. But you have first to look for wisdom and for happiness and forget about the goodness. Just do, do, uh, do become wise. But if you remember that you want to be good, then you will become wise because you know seeking wisdom is good. You'll be able to... When I say, well, come on, stay in a yeshiva, yeah? So if you check yourself out, if you don't say, oh, I, don't, I, I can't stay now. Yeah, I can stay now. I'd love to stay, Rabbi. I'd love to learn a little of your wisdom, the Jewish people, our heritage. I'd love to, but I can't stay now. But if you know that, look, there's a conflict, don't say you can't stay. You know that nothing will happen to you. You won't die if you stay. You won't disappear in a cloud of smoke. You can stay. Say you don't want to stay. Right? So now you've got the issues in front of you. You say, all right, you're right, Rabbi. I can stay, but I don't want to stay. Yeah? Say, don't say you don't want to. You just said you want wisdom. You want to understand how to live? Say, I want to stay. I don't feel like it. Yeah? Oh, now you know the issue. You want to stay, but you don't feel like staying. Right? So, be good. Do what you want to do. Everybody wants to learn wisdom. The soul says wisdom is important. I've got to understand what life is about. We don't feel like it. So if you know i got to be good, then you're going to learn wisdom. Otherwise, you'll just play. If you appreciate that we're living for it and we're willing to die for it, which is an awful lot of living for it, then actually go and live for it. Do what you can to be good. Get out there. You know it's a powerful force. Harness that. You want to be good, you're going to die to be good then, for goodness sake, make it your, your goal in living. Plan for it. Sacrifice. Make yourself good. Does that make sense? Number ten is that, look, it will help you tremendously to realize that it's driving you. In Judaism, we say 99% of what you do is in order to be good. 99% helter-skelter, whether you like it or not. 99% of what you do is driven, is motivated, is forced on you by this desire to be good. What was that? You illustrate. Yeah, sure, I'll illustrate. Yeah. How is that? B is, realize that this is so, when we go to college, social pressure. All right, maybe a little bit of it is that I'll get a better job. But we need a degree. Self-respect. If we desired money, we'd go out and get a job now. And look around for the most money. If we needed wisdom, then we look around where's wisdom available. But college? You know, then it's the desire to be good somehow. If you got a degree, then you're a better person. But the way we dress... 
the cars we drive. I mean, you think the guys who buy Cadillacs, it's because it's such a more comfortable drive or because it's status, they made it. The homes we have, the carpets, (laughs) is it worth the effort? It's the status. It's showing us that we're good. Politeness is that people shouldn't look at us barbarian. We're good. The American scene, the definition of a good man and it's driving us is success. If you're successful, great. If you're not successful, you need a psychiatrist. Success is the name of the game. People become pulverized because they're not successful. Success is the name of the game. Why? Because that's good. What's wrong with me? I can't get a job. Must be something bad about me. I don't, I can't land a job. Send them into a severe depression. What? There's nothing wrong with being successful, but there's ultimately wrong in defining success as good. And if you're not successful, to be pulverized by it, intimidated, depressed, and miserable. It's a problem. It's like if you had a toothache and you said, oh, I'm no good. I'd say the guy's crazy. He's got a problem. Got a dentist. Find out. How do you how do you get rid of it? Yeah. But if a guy can't get a job, he's down, he's out. Yeah. He's no good. You got a problem. How do we get a job? What <laughs> does that mean that you're not a good man? Because he's got a job and I don't have a job because he's got a title I don't have a title, so he's a better man than me. Where'd that come from? Success is is our definition of good. Western man. That's what I'm trying to illustrate. That we do 99% of what we do is to get that sense of success. That sense that I'm a good man. I'm okay. I'm okay, man. Number 10 is that, look, my friend, if you don't watch out, then society's definition of good is going to be your death sentence. Because many people, 90% of the people who die, die because society told them to. Even if they're dying for the right cause. Society's definition of good. Did you ever hear of a guy uh, playing Russian roulette because he's afraid of being a coward? Do you understand that? Do you know the, the concept, come on out and play chicken, right? Who veers first? Yeah, two cars. And if you say, well, I don't feel like playing, then they say, oh, he's scared. They jeer him. And a guy is afraid of being a coward. See, he's taking a risk of his life and sometimes willing to die. The guys who go over the top in the army or the Fatah when they're fighting, they're willing to die so that other people will not consider them a coward. Do you get the irony of it? That dying is cowards. Because it's ridiculous to die so that people shouldn't think you're a coward. Isn't that true? But that's really what's on their mind. That they shouldn't think I'm a coward because it's bad to be a coward. So watch out. You've got to have that definition. We do what what we do because of what other people think. Make sure that it's your own thing. That it's your own thing. So number 11 is that, look, that in order to know that you're good, you have to have a definition of good. The guy who knows you don't kick your mother in the stomach, you don't hurt your own mom, at least he has a definition. 
Otherwise, we make a leap of faith. We want to be good. We just assume we're good. You get it? We say, sure, I'm good, because I want to be good. So to get this into your bones, we suggest, see, that you use the are-you-he game. And the are-you-he game goes like this. We all assume that we're doing the right thing. The guy we're arguing with is doing wrong, but we're easy on him. And the guy who can't defend himself, we call him black. So it goes like this. I am strong-willed. You are stubborn. He is pig-headed. When I take a risk, I say, I'm brave. When you take a risk, I don't think it's wise, I say, you are foolhardy. When he does it, I say, he's a reckless idiot. When I give out money, I say, I'm generous. When you do it, and I don't approve, I call it being a little wasteful with your money. When he does it, I say, he's a reckless spendthrift. When I teach someone something, I am an educator. When you do it, you are a persuader. When he does it, I say he's a brainwasher. So the very same thing, you see, it's from a different angle. A father is arguing with a son. The father says, you stubborn mule. The son says, ah, you're not going to push me around. I'm strong-willed. You're not going to brainwash me. The father says, me brainwash you? Idiot, I'm trying to educate you. Yeah. You get it? The same thing. So what we got to do is get definitions. Definitions are objective. And if you know what is the definition of strong-willed, what is the definition of, then you can check it out. Strong-willed is a guy who says, put the evidence on the table objectively. Now, I'm always strong-willed, of course, yeah, but what does it mean? You have evidence. I might not feel like confronting it, but I'm strong-willed. I'll look at the evidence because I want to live in reality. But at the same time, don't push me around. Don't call me names. Don't bully me. Don't tell me I'm an idiot. It won't do you a bit of good. You got some evidence. You have some reasons. I'll consider it. Stubborn is, listen, I'll tell you why I believe the way I do. I'll tell you what I think your position is. I'll tell you why I disagree with you. But right now, I'm not listening anymore. Finish. That's stubborn. Pig-headed is a guy who says, I told you so, so I'm right. Who needs reasons? That's pig head. Now you can check yourself out. So what you got to do is check yourself out. What is your definition of good? C of this is that in Judaism we say the definition of good in the Torah is I put before you today in the Bible, in the instructions for living, I put before you today life and death, good and evil, choose to live. The whole issue for a human being is life or death. Nobody chooses to do evil. They choose death. And that sounds mind-boggling. But consider, the whole choice is between be or not to be. Awareness, which is life, or not to be, to escape, to run away. That's the issue. Get it clear. The good man is the man who's willing to confront, see truth, wants life, wants meaning, Wants good, anything that is meaningful. The evil man is an escape artist. Run away. Suicide is to escape pain. That's the issue. And it'll take a little digestion. You gotta, you gotta digest it. D of this is, 
I think it's very important that you realize that we haven't really plumbed the depth. You see, we want to be good, all good, great. Don't kid yourself. Don't say, I want to be, it's okay for me to be average. Try to say, Ranan, try it. I want to be mediocrity. Can't come out, right? So you want to be great. Realize you want to be great. Now, in order to show you how great you want to be, so I'm asking people here to get in touch with the innermost recesses of our hearts. You know, all the way down. Please consider and be honest. We're all together in this, yeah? Look for a moment in the innermost, in the secret parts of your heart. Examine over there and tell me, honestly, do you discover that you harbor the desire to be the Messiah himself? Please, all those who honestly can discover that deep down in their heart they would like to be the Messiah himself, raise your hand. <laughs> now, let's, let's get a couple of guys. Who don't? You don't feel like being the Messiah? <laughs> I had a class, you see, where the whole class raised their arm. The last guy raised his hand. He says, thank God, thank God. He said, and then we looked at him. What's the matter with you? He said... I thought I was crazy. <laughs> now, there are other classes. You ask a guy, you don't want to be the Messiah? He says, oh, I gave that up long ago. <laughs> Another guy says, it isn't worth the trouble. <laughs> so let me, let me point out. You see, the Messiah means that you would like to be the person to discover the cure for cancer, but more. You'd like to be the person to really bring humanity together to love each other and live in peace and harmony, get rid of the atom bomb. Let's make a breakthrough. That's the concept of to be the Messiah. And we have that desire in us. Real greatness. Now, that's only to break the ice. You know what we really desire to be? In Judaism, I mean, it's a little shocker, but in Judaism we say that we human beings, all of us, desire secretly, underneath it all, we all desire to be like God himself. That's what we want. And we have a commandment. If anybody realizes that this is what he wants to be, we have a commandment, be like God, we'll give you instructions how. It's a little hard work, you understand that. Yeah. We'll give you instructions how. It's one of the 613 commandments. Emulate the Almighty, we'll teach you how. But the Mishnah says, Why did the Almighty create man all alone? The Almighty created man, we can... We can communicate. You hear me? You understand what I'm saying? I can understand where you're coming from. We explain things to each other. We understand each other. Yeah. Why can't we feel each other? We're born alone. We die alone. Why did the Almighty create us that way? We could, he could have created us that we feel each other. So the rabbis say, Each one of us is born alone and we die alone. The only person that you can feel a little bit is your wife. But even her, you're alone in this world. From birth to death. Why? The rabbis say, Kedeshiyoyma, so that every man is bound to say, Bishvili Nivra Ho'olam, the world was created for me. This is the way we walk. If we hear five million Indians are starving to death, we say, So, how, what does that mean? I should, should I send them relief? Should I buy some grain? Will there be a war? Should I, should I feel sorry for them? We look, 
My world, what, what does it mean to me? Do you get it? This is the way we're created. E of this is that you ever hear the expression he thinks the world belongs to him? Did you ever catch yourself driving in rush hour with all the cars on the road and you start muttering to yourself, what are all these blasted idiots doing here? Why don't they get off the road and give me some room? You ever catch yourself? So the fool thinks, you see, that the world was created for me to eat all the cows. Hmm? All the roads belong to me. That's the idiot. The man of understanding understands that the Almighty gave us this to realize ultimately this world is your obligation. It's your obligation, friend. You're here to straighten it out. So just one more, we don't have time. Now, we Jews say secularism is the opiate of the people. You've heard it said, Mark said that religion is the opiate of the people. He was talking about Christianity. Turn the other cheek. Resist not evil. That's opium. It's telling them, <laughs> let, let the dictators go through and torture you. Resist not evil. We Jews say resist evil. If a guy comes to kill you, get him first. No such thing as turn the other cheek. But we Jews, we turn the table on Marx and his cohorts, and we say, secularism is the opium of the people. And why is that? Because you ask any young man today, you try it. You ask any young man today, what is the chances of a third world war within the next 20 years? You're a young man. That means before you're 40, before you're 45. What are the chances of a third world war, an atomic war, in the next 20 years? So you'll find the range, and some people say imminent. Some say 95%. Some say 20%. But whatever a guy says, you'll ask him, isn't that terrible? Even 20% is a terrible risk for humanity, right? But certainly if it's 50%, 60 70 isn't that terrible? He says, yeah, it's awful, terrible. I say, so what are you going to do about it? Me? What should I do about it? Jimmy's in charge. <laughs> yeah. What should I do about it? Who am I? What can I do about it? You get it? So you go right back to sleep. Now, in Judaism, you see, we say, if the Almighty would help you, what could you do about it? What do you say? Gary, if the Almighty, the creator of this universe, would be behind you, what can you do about it? That's it. And the Almighty says, you better straighten it out. You understand? He's not only behind you. He says, you try, I'll help you. I want you to straighten it out. But he says, you better. Otherwise, you're shirking your responsibility. And you'll give a reckoning. Now, who's got the opium and who's got the guy to fly? There's no giving up. You want to be great? You got to be great? Come on, get out there and slug all right, why do we need this? Let me just tell you one why. You see, this is a very powerful force that drives you to your death. It's powerful. You've got to get a hold of it. You've got to know where it's leading you. It's leading you whether you like it or not. It's leading you by the nose. You've got to master it. Use that power. Most powerful force of them all. Now, 
an assignment. And assignments are my friends. Please, make a list today of everything you do. After the class, what should you be doing? Checking out whether you agree, disagree, definition, etc. Are you going to use it, not use it? What should you do? What do you want to do? And what do you feel like doing? The next class, what do you want to do? Listen well, analyze, criticize, decide. What do you feel like doing? Speak to people. What do you want to do? Communicate, know them, like them. What do you feel like doing? Go through the day, each activity. What do you want to do? What do you feel like doing? What do you want to do? What do you feel like doing? So that you get a little bit of a feel of the good hard work that is your heritage.